to know what women in the South are thinking about feminism and to give Southern women a voice in the feminist movement. Do you consider yourself a feminist? I I think I do, yes. Absolutely. I don't like defining myself as a feminist because when I tell someone I'm a feminist, they automatically go that way. While I will say, yes, I am a feminist, there's, I know that there's going to be explanation after that. Like, I'm going to have to explain myself. So, so... I feel like this Southern culture, especially in the black culture, we were always like, you know, men first, women second. And then also I didn't know what feminist meant. I feel like I am a feminist. I'm just not an aggressive feminist. I'm a feminist. I'm probably a quieter feminist. And I just pick and choose which things to be stronger feminist advocate about. I do believe feminism is for everybody. Hi, FemSouth listeners. Thank you so much for joining me again. This is Lee, your host. This is our third part to our series on women healers. And for this episode, we're going to be discussing plant-based healing practices and more specifically psychedelic mushrooms and their use in healing. My two special guests are Brightheart and Firestar. These are their spiritual names because they asked to keep their identities confidential. Brightheart is trained in a holistic approach to healing. She refers to herself as a medicine carrier. She is trained in somatic healing and walking with people through the spiritual realm and through their own darkness. Brightheart has had her own journey with alcohol addiction, which informs her approach to healing and trauma recovery. She also facilitates conscious movement and dance. And when she's not working with people, she trains horses and dogs. Firestar has her master's in psychotherapy. She's trained in somatic approaches and trauma healing and renegotiation. She leads a conscious dance and movement community. And together, both Brightheart and Firestar hold space for healing ceremonies with psychedelic mushrooms and plant-based medicines. So I'm so excited to have them both here on the show with me today. I also have my life partner here with me today, Zach to help me co-host. Hi, Zach. Hi, Lee. I'm excited to be here. I'm looking forward to this podcast. So Zach is here with me today because he this is a topic that he's very passionate about and knows a lot about. He studied Peruvian shamanism in college. And I would love, Zach, for you to just tell us a little bit about your experience with these types of medicines and, and why you're so passionate about this topic. Thank you, Lee. Plant medicines, um, psychedelics are very important to me. Uh, They've changed my life, and they were a crucial, crucial part of my development as an adult. Um, I believe that psychedelic medicines have the potential to heal the world, nothing short of it. Uh, The recent resurgence in research and acceptance in popular culture and legislation uh, throughout the country is so inspiring and uh, hopeful for me because, you know, 20 years ago when I was a young adult, I foresaw this day or this time period. And it's really wonderful to see the kind of work that's being done now in so many different fields, um, including you know, the therapeutic field that our guests are involved in, uh, bringing a kind of synthesis of ancient shamanic practices and contemporary um, therapeutic practices together. Really, really cool. 
Yeah, thank you for that. I'm excited about it too, Zach. And I like how you say that our special guests today are bringing a synthesis between these ancient practices because they're going to talk about that. And they're going to talk about, you know, shamanism and the new millennium. So I'm really excited to get started with this episode. And I think we should just go ahead and dive right in. Listeners, I hope you enjoy. So Firestar, Brightheart, and Zach, thank you so much for coming on this podcast to talk with me about this important topic of women healers. And so I want to just go ahead and jump right in. In light of the history that I just kind of laid out in the introduction, um, how do you see yourself continuing this legacy of plant-based medicine and in relation to modern medicine and maybe even traditional shamanism? How do you refer to yourselves and your practice? Well, thank you for that question. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little bit tricky in the United States because, you know, the, the people who were here before colonization happened had a deep connection with the earth and had context for healing and had context for relationship with plants and medicines and things. And as times has gone on, you know, with colonialism and um, other influences, you know, some of that context has been lost, especially in uh, the modern American culture that's developed. I think there's a couple different terms, you know, like healer, uh, medicine woman. Um, I've been called those terms before, and and those are fine. Um, medicine carrier, you know, I, I carry the medicine and, and that has its own relationship dynamics and things, you know, but most importantly, I really just go by Brightheart, which is my name because I'm not necessarily the one performing and healing on somebody or putting my hands on someone and their pain is gone or, um, it's really, opening up to spirit so that energy can flow through to provide healing and um, ease for somebody. So did you have anything to add to that, Firestar? Because you're in the field of psychology and you have a whole other language and set of tools to refer to healing. And I think it's so interesting because, you know, you're kind of straddling two worlds with two language sets one set being the language of modern Western psychology and the other set being this area of, you know, plant-based plant medicines, entheogens, spirit. And so how do you integrate the language and how does it affect the way that you refer to yourself? I love this question. Thank you. It's going to really help me also get clear because it is, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a work in progress as we, as our language changes around healing modalities and as we create more culture as, um, you know, I definitely hold myself as, you know, I'm part of the colonization of this land. So I'm really trying to find a different, a, a language and a culture that really feels like my own, you know, that sort of emerges from the work that we do. And even from the beginning of my work in psychotherapy, I have, I'm, I've never been wedded to the word therapist, you know, psychotherapist, count, even counselor. Those have never really been, you know, labels that I've lived into. And so I, I definitely refer probably more in my own internal world, refer to myself as a healer. Um, you know, Brightheart and I often talk about what we do. And even this morning, we we're talking about what we do is there's a way that um, we call it ushering the soul or midwiving the soul into wellness and into wholeness. So I, I think of us as that too. You know, I often refer to Brightheart as a medicine carrier because she tends to the medicine. She sings to the medicine. She, um, it's, 
deeply a part of, of who she is. And so just in, in my head, I often refer to her as a medicine carrier. And we certainly try to steer clear of language that creates hierarchy. And so that's probably why we move away from words like shaman, because there is such a status and hierarchy to that. And what we're trying to create with the work that we do is non-hierarchical connection and relationships and really helping people, sort of ushering them towards their own healing powers, right? Or their own, you know, internal healer and allowing that to emerge. So it sounds like you guys are blazing your own trails. Um, I've been interested in plant medicines and shamanistic healing since I was young and have read so much about it and gone and participated some in, in these traditions. And what I hear you guys talking about, and I'm also, I've read a lot also about the new research in psychedelic medicines in you know, Western psychology. What I hear you guys saying is that you're really blazing a new trail and trying to um, create, I don't want to say a new tradition, but a kind of um, more timely and personally empowering path with these medicines for people. Um, where do you look for guidance? Well, I mean, for me personally, I've experienced many different forms of, you know, ceremony with plants. And I've also, you know, had a lot of personal um, therapy throughout my life, you know, struggling with depression and addiction and alcoholism. And I guess, you know, a bit about where I come from is, or how I come to the energy space that I'm in today is, you know, those hard moments in life and near-death experiences can really provide structure for, you know, shifts in your life. And, and, and it can create an opening for spirit to come through, you know, and a really amazing opening for connection. So throughout my years of being in therapy and just bouts of addiction and alcoholism, um, I've, you know, had experiences along the way with plants that just kind of lifted my spirit to the surface. Um, and it, it was maybe tucked away before, you know, and struggling and in mush mushrooms in particular. So yeah, you know, my, through my relationship with mushrooms, my spirit was sort of ushered to the surface with that medicine. And there's a lot of histories that are involved with med medicinal ceremonies. And those histories are, I think, really important to tap into. Um, my uh, Celtic heritage dealt a lot with the mushroom medicine. And so I pull from that history and that knowledge base and the connection with plants and animals and uh, the weather patterns and, and earth patterns and all of those energies, you know, those really inform my relationship with the plant today. And it's also, it's also a situation where something new is emerging in our culture, in our time here. You know, it's not necessarily, for me personally, the point is not necessarily to go back to a specific structure and utilize that specific structure. Um, you know, mushrooms are a very, very flexible medicine. And so there's a lot of movement for things to just emerge in a ceremony with someone that is just a real natural flow that kind of evolves throughout the evening that really is tailored to that specific person. So that's one of the, one of the things that, that I really focus on, you know, is, is just gathering all of this knowledge, past knowledge from, you know, tribal cultures and allowing that to be somewhat of a bit of a foundation for 
a very flexible and intuitive method of healing that may differ a little bit each session with somebody. And at the same time, you know, there are, there is a consistent energy flow to working with this plan that across the board, there are similarities. No matter who takes it, you can recognize certain waves of energy that are very similar that uh, we all kind of operate on in a common ground. For example, you know, when we look at the mushroom, um, when we look at just the basic life cycle of the mushroom, in the first stage of its life, the development of mycelium, that is actually where most of the energy is with the plant. You know, it's, it's projecting most of its energy into that stage of its life cycle. And uh, mycelium is in the soil. It, it allows nutrients to flow into all plants, that white little fuzzy stuff that's on the bottom of roots when you pull up a plant. And so there's that stage, you know, and then there's the fruiting stage where the, the cells actually combine and the nuclei combine, and then you get this beautiful fruit and it drops the spores and then the mushroom, you know, decays back to the earth, right? So when you relay that to the experience, when you ingest the medicine, you know, that first hour and a half, which is, you know, the onset of the energy where the energy is flowing into your body, it's, it's kind of coming into your space, is a very, very energetic, intense process. Um, so that's, that's a common thing. And that surge of energy is it's amazing. It can be very, very cleansing. There's a lot of momentum there and movement. It can bring trauma events to the surface and allow them to be processed through the body in a very short amount of time. And then, you know, after like an hour and a half of that, when the medicine has fully taken full effect, there's almost this landing period in the medicine space. You know, some cultures call it mushroom time. And it's almost like the medicine kind of settles a bit. And there's almost like this weightless feeling, especially at the high doses, almost like a floating feeling. And if you're very, very well hydrated, you can activate the mushroom fruit space. And there's so much beauty in this space. It's almost like, you know, you go through the tube of mycelium and then emerge up through the surface of the soil in this fruit and the fruit, there's so much beauty there and so much heartfelt energy. And if you can allow your, yourself to relax enough to allow whatever trauma to move through, whatever ego structures to dissolve, this fruit space is just very, very, very healing. There's a lot of heart that is found there. And, you know, the heart energy, people refer to, many cultures refer to the mushroom energy as, you know, the sacred heart or the blood of the earth. And, and that energy there is, um, you know, it can last for three to four hours. And it's just a beautiful, magnificent experience. Um, prayer and song can be found very easily there. Lots of creativity. And not to say that that's the only way that the energy moves, but I certainly have seen that particular pattern with people. Um, that's a really grounding analogy, metaphor, like way to visualize the experience. I've never, I've never heard anyone narrate that experience in the, in that way, and I think that it's. Um, I think it's really apt. I think it's, it, it grounds in the medicine itself and relieves you of the of burden of other traditions. Yeah, Zach, that might be a good segue into set and setting. Um, how do you set the space and the intention for each person or, or even each group that you're working with? And then maybe as a follow-up question, 
what do you do when something does come up for someone that could be trauma or might feel like a negative experience? Um, how do you help people move through that process and, and what does it look like? That's a great question. Well, so studying the space is a very beautiful process. You know, right when actually right when someone gets in touch with us and is interested in a journey, the medicine starts then. You know, because the person is opening themselves up to this consciousness and the mushroom is always interested. So, so yeah, we, I guess we'll just start the conversation about the energy, you know, and okay, like, you know, what are, what am I feeling in the space from this person? Just starting to kind of prepare and bring their energy body into, into our home, you know, and just setting, we start with kind of just setting the intention and thinking about the spirits, the, the natural energies around our house in the land uh, that, our, that our house is on, that we walk upon all day and night. And, you know, we just start kind of calling that, calling that energy in, you know, and it could be little rituals kind of just arise prior to the ceremony. You know, it could be, um, oh, there's, it feels like, there's an energy or spirit close, you know, maybe a song could emerge or something and I'll, I'll go around the house and uh, just kind of sing a little bit and just little threads of prayer here and there. And we also cleanse the home, our home with different tools, uh, drums, just to filter the energy out, you know, any stuck or stagnant energy. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, we use sage aromatherapies and things like that. We also, before a ceremony, clean our home. You know, that's very important. Um, getting the dust out of the corners. All of those preparatory type of things really show the medicine just such a deep level of respect. You know, like I, I, I honor you, you know, I'm I'm cleaning the the floor so we can walk upon we're almost like cleansing every bit of the space to bring in that sacred aspect of a ceremony. So that happens just kind of throughout throughout time that week and then the day of um lots of prayer lots of song um, any type of music really just fills the walls and the furniture and um, everything with just an amazing rhythm. And those songs are filled with prayer that's tailored to that person, whatever we're feeling at that time. And then we have altars and we have plants, you know, we might take a moment to water the plants and tend to them and tell everybody in the house that someone's coming to get ready for, for their energy so that everything here can be a supporting force to that person's experience and for us too. Because there's a lot of darkness that shows up with mushrooms. You know, it's almost equal, equal parts darkness and light and in order to access that light, you really have to honor that deep, dark energy that's there in order for the light to meet it with its equal level of brightness. So one of the other things we do is, you know, we set up a lot of candlelight. Like we don't have any artificial light during an experience and nothing electronic so we're really calling in like all of the surrounding energies because I believe that anyone can process any amount of darkness within themselves or any amount of trauma if the space around has the support of the natural world. You know, so maybe that, that evening I'll call in uh, the spirit of the hawk, you know, for clear sight, clear connection, with spirit, clear connection with the medicine, being able to speak to the spirits and hear the information that's coming in. 
so as, as Brightheart was talking, I was going back to the question that Zach had asked about how we're blazing a new trail. I think those, that's what he said. And what are we pulling from? And, and then I also thought about Lee, what you said about women as healers and so much about what Brightheart is saying is a remembering that has occurred between uh, myself and her. And so for years now, we have been in this process with the medicine, with mushrooms, as well as other plant-based medicines of, you know, if I, I think of our colonized brains as being very tamed, right? And we've been untaming our, you know, that which has bound us, particularly as women, I think, over lineages are, you know, we've done, like we're digging into our ancestors and retrieving this old DNA. It lives within us and we're really listening, right? So my, my prayer often is just let me listen. I'm listening to you. I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to the spirits because these skills and these like healing qualities have been carried with us through our ancestors. And so we're awakening them now. And we have definitely used medicine time to retrieve this wisdom and to allow it to come forth again, you know, that which we already know. And so when we are praying to the land and to the space, you know, we see our house as alive. We see everything around us as alive and holding a spirit within it. And so as we're calling in all of these spirits, when we're setting the space, we're also calling in our old wisdom to come forth as well. And so I think that's really what, we have been doing for the past few years is really just listening and remembering how to do this and how to do it in the current time. Like we're asking ourselves to do this work in a time. I mean, 500 years ago, things were very different. You know, we have to think about legality issues, you know, turning off all the electronic lights, things like that. So we're really listening to that information as well to make it really current to a healing process, you know, in this day and time, we have done a lot of work on ourselves. We've spent a lot of time in medicine space to undo the vilification. That's even a word of what was done to us and, and our ancestors, because I'm, I'm positive that every single one of us has a history with healers in our lineages. Right. And so this is also remembering, we're remembering how to do this and listening. And I, I love what you said about activating the, the internal intuition in everybody, because what I've found is that if somebody's in session with us and they're going through something, and Zach, maybe this relates to the question you were asking before about how do you get, how do you help someone through something hard or difficult there's an instinct in our culture, in American culture, to just run in and save that person. I mean, religion has taken that to a whole new level. Um, and, and that's not really what we're after here. Like we, you know, we have different, there's different tools I can call on, you know, I can, I can sing to kind of help organize the energy for someone. Yes. Um, organize the thoughts, organize the visions, or use a rattle, you know, which kind of activates like an ancestral DNA of the serpent energy that resides in the spine, you know, and that can help someone, you know, get grounded or allow them to activate their own internal mm -hmm. uh, method of energy balancing. And so there's lots of different things um, that can be done there. And really, what, when somebody's in a state like that, we're really just trying to activate their own intuition of healing. 
because when that is activated, they can feel me and Firestar's energy more. And when they can feel our energy more, we almost drop into this one mind consciousness space. And that, that I believe is the pure energy of the heart. And when you're in that space together, like when I'm witnessing someone balance their own energy, just by me supporting them and Firestar supporting them and our house supporting them, there's so much strength. It's like the force in Star Wars. Like the force that happens when everyone is together, you know, finding their own strength, not somebody putting strength inside of them, but finding their own strength. It's amazing the healing energy that comes from that. Can I stop you right there? Um, sure. And add to, add to that. One thing I think that will be helpful for folks who have not been in these kind of states or had these kind of experiences and are attached to the notion of helping someone, healing someone. What you just said, I had a lot of recognition with because so much of our, so much of our conventional sort of day-to-day -day notions of how to help someone and just our sort of day-to-day -day notions of uh, what is polite, how to relate to people is so different when you're in this state. So when you see someone, I mean, you, you articulated it very well, but it's really important for people who, who are interested in this kind of work to understand just how different the modes of healing are when you're in that state. You know, the, the normal things that we would do to comfort someone if they're having a fearful or tough time don't work and shines a big light on how inefficient our emotional lives are in our day-to-day -day consciousness. Um, so anyway, wasn't really a question. It was just, I'm so glad you, you laid that out. And thanks for letting me stumble through my own comment on it. There's a very old, there's a way that as a culture, we have a very hard time sitting in our uncomfortability and sitting with and turning towards our fear, turning towards um, our prejudices, turning towards the parts of ourselves that, you know, might create states of even shame sometimes. And so medicine, I mean, there's a reason why it's called medicine. I mean, we're taking medicine here and it's a, it's a process, it's a journey, it's not a fix. Right. So, so what we're doing is we're engaging in a journey and a process with a consciousness that can help us turn towards these places. And as Brightheart said, become stronger. And I'm invested in people getting like moving through and turning towards, you know, their hard places because it makes me stronger. Right, it makes the whole field stronger because I'm in. I'm invested in the whole community. I'm invested in the country, right? Of of shifting our consciousness and moving out of this belief that I'm sick. I'm something's wrong with me. I you know I'm wrong or whatever it is, and I need to take this pill to get better. Um, have this person do something to me to get better you know, that is just a very old way of, of thinking now, I think, and of being, it's a very, like, it's our, it's our, again, it's our colonized brain and our colonized way of being where it, uh, it's disempowering. It's disempowering to all of us. And if we want to get at the deconstruction of inequality in this country, we've got to get at this. We've got to pull these internal structures within ourselves and the medicine helps us do this. And so as we start pulling these internal structures, you know, of these power dynamics within ourselves that medicine is so good at getting at, it makes, it makes us better. It makes me better. Like it makes bright heart. I mean, it makes us get well too. So I'm, you know, that's my, 
you know, motivation too, with help, you know, having people be empowered to finding their own inner healing. Yeah. And I, I love this topic of, uh, suffering and uncomfortability because I mean, there's a way that so much about mushrooms is about learning how to suffer and, you know, what is underneath the physical pain or the emotional pain. And so much of my prayer and songs have come from my own suffering in medicine space. You know, when I work with the medicine on my own, there's so much richness there in the darkness and, and in the suffering and even in group, if everyone's suffering in group and nobody's saying anything and trying to just, oh, you know, this'll pass, this'll pass, it's, you know, it makes things tighter and more uncomfortable. So that is such a valuable experience to, we've had moments in group where everyone is just writhing, you know, and it's like, okay, let's gather around come together and we got to work this out one way or another, you know, and, and everyone, you know, it's just amazing the shift that, that can happen in those moments like that, you know, and paying respect to what's happening right in front of you, you know, and not using the, the tools, the modern tools we have to bypass the uncomfortability to really sink into it and say, okay, you know, it's just physical pain. And it's just emotional pain. What happens when we drop into that together and start massaging the field together? You know, often if in group, if somebody's having a hard time, it's really helpful to put that person in the middle or in, in the, the fold of the circle of connection and start talking about what's happening. Really, it brings in all the supporting energy that everyone has to empower that person you know, to move through whatever's happening. I really love connection as your approach, that your sessions, especially when they're with multiple people, aren't just about healing and isolation and that there's a community, even within the single experience. It's so powerful in light of the typical individual experience of therapy. And you know, the idea of healing for our contribution to community and the collective may not be something that we really think about because trauma and depression and mental illness can feel very personal and isolating, which really leads me into another discussion point that I want to talk about, which is accessibility. Um, you know, many people struggle to access basic mental health. And so I wonder how accessible your offerings feel to people, whether, you know, it seems like another alternative modality for privileged people, um, especially when it comes to, you know, insurance and being able to pay, but also having access nearby in the community. So um, how do you help with access for people who may not feel like your offerings are something that is available to them or even something like your offerings might be available to them in their own communities. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great, a great question for me personally. I think that the, the way we've learned about the value of things is a little skewed. You know, we have the dollar and you're taking the energy of something and trying to put it on a piece of paper and have that reflect somebody's hard work or somebody's heartfelt love that they put into something and it just doesn't translate you know so we include many different forms of uh reciprocation you know money is one of them and that's great but we also do trade as well. You know, we, I mean, it's really amazing what's actually happened because what's happened is, is we are helping to take care of the communities around us and the people around us, you know, empower people to rise to the occasion of their own healing and spread that, 
that um, that energy and message around. And in turn, like when you're really honest about what you're delivering, it comes back to you energetically. Like we have people bring us stuff all the time. If we need firewood for our fire pit, somebody will just randomly show up with a huge truckload of wood at our door, you know, a friend. Or if my body's hurting, I'll have, you know, a couple sessions of body work that, you know, the value is still translated. It's just not necessarily in the monetary form. And also, I will say that in, in an experience, when somebody truly shows up in their authenticity with their pain, their suffering, their joy, their love, and their openness, that is so nourishing. Like that energy has the power to heal ailments inside your body. Yeah, we are, you know, repaid in full, you know, 99% of the time. And, and when somebody has a problem with pain, then that's a great conversation to have. Cause it's like, okay, what do you see as value? You know, do you understand what goes into to all this work, you know, and then that opens up a conversation for us to just share all the energy we put into it, which in turn allows that person to meet us with that same level of integrity and um, respect and offering, you know, like what can someone offer to the space? Because their healing is our healing. When we're in integrity with equal energy exchange in this way, if somebody, it's, it amazes me, if someone can't pay, usually within a couple of weeks, someone presents themselves that over, will overpay or wants to offer more. It's, it's really amazing. And it's also, it's also an act of trust on mine and Brightheart's part too, is to trust that the universe is going to touch our integrity with equal energy exchange I mean, we all know that we have to, we have, do have, it's real. We have bills to pay and mortgages and all of those things. And at the same time, we are also trying to create a different value set when it comes to, to, you know, to, to what we do. We don't want to turn anyone away. We always want to be accessible to anyone. And, and really it just starts with a conversation with us. We you know, and I think this is important in creating community is creating community around value, like around what, what is valued and, and trade and equal energy exchange. And, and I feel like we're, we're willing to have the hard conversation about it and figure it out because that's really what we're doing. Just willing to figure this out. Can I add a few things about accessibility and about uh, barriers to people participating in this kind of healing? Uh, one is legality. That's a that's an issue that can't be overstated. Though the winds are shifting, and the favor of much more cultural acceptance of the therapeutic properties of this medicine. That being said, this kind of work is still way outside of the cultural wheelhouse of many people um, and many communities of people. So there's big barriers there, you know, and the idea um, of this medicine not being available in the South, I understand what, what you meant when you said that. However, these things do grow wild here. And that was my introduction. And they're part of the landscape. They're part of um, many, many people's youth experiences, rites of passage, you know, and, and many of them are used without the kind of respect and preparation or cultural context that can increase the therapeutic properties. But man, it was, it was so meaningful to me to have these things part of, be part of the landscape and part of my experience foraging and making these connections in a very organic way as I grew up. You know, so there's something to be said for that. I think the main thing with getting inclusion is legality and just expanding the culture around around these medicines so people don't have the um, resistance or the the negative connotations or the the hesitancy 
beyond a sort of healthy hesitancy that you know most people have. Yeah, and I would like to add to that the um, additional element of culture and the impact that religion has on culture, which you know here is predominantly Christian. And I think it's interesting, Zach, that you bring up that point that mushrooms are so um, available here as a part of the natural landscape, and yet they are not a part of our religious practices and have, you know, instead been vilified by the church and cast into this category of harmful drugs to stay away from. And I think it's interesting that our spiritual practices that are predominant here don't have plant-based medicines or ceremonies that might help one connect with spirit or or God or whatever you want to call it. You know, and I think this really goes back to what we were talking about earlier, this loss of nature-based practice after a long history of religion oppressing this knowledge and oppressing the people who wielded this power. And so now in our modern world, we see the potential to use plants to alter consciousness and to connect with spirit is um, is difficult for many people to access because it's not supported by their religious institutions and it's not revered by the church or even sanctioned by the church. And you have people that come to you with um, what you've said before as a religious trauma and a great sense of disconnect from from nature. And um, so, yeah, can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guess just starting with the first part, you know, the way people use the medicine here in the U.S., I mean, it's not just religion that created that view on, on plants. People did a lot of partying at Woodstock and you know, a lot of use of LSD and psilocybin in unsafe environments that caused psychic fragmentation and breakdown uh, because that container was not, was not set up. So I think there's a personal, a personal responsibility just as like the, the collective. Maria Sabina, a mushroom shaman from South America, you know, she, she used the medicine to help people heal and she thought it'd be great if people in the U.S. started using it because we're so sick. We have a sickness of the mind. And what happened was, is that medicine just got sucked through the capitalistic rabbit hole and, you know, was not used in a sacred way. It was used, you know, as a party, a party drug alongside, you know, religious influences that were just turning people away from altered states completely, you know, and, and all of that psilocybin is very powerful, you know, and it can, I mean, it can throw people out there into psychic space that is very unfamiliar um, and, you know, takes a long time to integrate an experience, especially at a high dose. Um, It can take years to fully allow your ego structure to come back together. It's all about how it's held you know, and the integrity that's involved in it and that person's connection with the plant too. You know, we've been able to get people through all different types of experiences just by learning and understanding how to listen to the plant. So much of what I think religion has done to plant-based medicines is out of fear and control because these altered states of consciousness that ethnogens often create is a a place of self-empowerment, of expanded consciousness, of questioning um, the structures that are in our day-to-day life. And that really flies in the face of what religion is doing right now and what our even government structure does to us, right, is to control the masses. So there's this piece. And within this piece of control, though, there are doctors that can prescribe benzodiazepines, opiates, all kinds of medicines that are okay for people to take. So within this, our culture, we have a lot of miscommunication about what is medicine. You know, growing up, medicine comes in a pill and it comes from a doctor. 
why is because culturally that's the way it's been for however many years. Like, however, if you take that out and you bring in healers coming forth with plant medicines and not just ethnogens that cause altered states of consciousness. I mean, any medicine, um, medicines to treat depression, like anxiety, kava kava, or St. John's wort for depression. All of these things can, are also met plant-based medicines that can help people. And those are okay, right? Those are okay because they don't create an altered state of consciousness. And then we bring in these other medicines like ayahuasca or huachuma, psilocybin. And I will tell you from personal experience that I suffered from deep postpartum depression, very deep postpartum depression. And what pulled me out, what, what brought my head above the surface of drowning was ayahuasca. And then after that, psilocybin as more of a maintenance. And so, you know, these medicines were offered to me by Corandera or by medicine people, right? And they were held in the form of medicine. And so I took them as medicine. So, you know, but in my head, I really had to rearrange all of the voices saying, I'm doing something bad. Because I also grew up in the just say no to drugs era as well. And so I really had to come to terms with, in me, you know, what was, what was going to be most helpful in my journey. And I don't think that taking antidepressants was going to help me. I just don't. And I will say that what has helped me is microdosing with psilocybin, you know, doing a, you know, one, once or twice a year journeys with ayahuasca, you know, Madre to ayahuasca. Um, and then also doing this work with psilocybin has been tremendously helpful. It's also not a magic bullet. It's, it is a journey. I, you know, I am constantly working on myself. So there's also this other ideas out there that you could do one session or one journey and that's it. That's all you need. And this is, it's also a practice and Bright Heart and I believe in creating culture around community and ceremony and sacred medicines. This is important in terms of our evolution and in terms of us healing the sickness that Bright Heart talked about in our minds, the sickness of capitalism, of disempowerment, of oppression, um, of how we oppress others, of you know racial inequality. This is this is a really great way to to begin to heal that and to evolve into you know another version of of our humanity yeah and when you start the conversation with the natural world it's not just one conversation you know like people say oh well do you think i should do this again and it's like well yeah of course i think you should do it again you know you just started a relationship with this plant you just started the conversation, you know, and it's like speaking to an old friend, you know, you're, you're not, I mean, the goal is to not just hang out with them once it's, it's a relationship. And I think there's so much healing through the perspective of being able to heal through relationship with something. Yeah. Well, maybe we can wrap up with this last talking point about integration. And I love what you're saying about starting a relationship with the plant. And I love the analogy that you're making with really um, revisiting an old relationship or reawakening something that's already there. So with that being said, then how do you help people integrate these experiences after a journey like this? So a main part of integration is tending to your body in the same way and same with the same level of respect that you would tend to the medicine before the experience. You know, so eating those clean foods, eating bitter foods, bitter herbs like parsley, radish root, uh, radicchio, grapefruit, anything astringent will help your psychic structure and energy come back together in a smooth way. And so that's pretty helpful. 
And also just like maybe a lot of times there's this instinct after an experience to like tell everybody about it and lots of talking about it, which is great. You definitely want to express it and feel safe to express it. But sometimes it's like keeping the energy in, you know, especially after a large dose experience, because the mind wants to just run wild with it, you know? And so a lot of it is like slowing down and just allowing your system to slowly move through the rhythm of integration, you know? So integration, maintaining like a quieter space can be helpful and movement dance, anything to keep you in your body throughout integration is helpful, along with uh, somatic experiencing therapy sessions or working with a therapist. If you did crack the lid on a lot of trauma and it, it came out and maybe some of it was expressed in your body or through your body, but that organization of that trauma still needs a little bit of assistance, you know, therapies can help can help afterwards um, and creative activities too, like art, journaling, you know, connecting with the natural world, keeping that connection with the natural world to keep the energy inside of you for as long as you can. And always check in with people and before people even walk, like come in for a session, we often meet with them before if we can, or have a Zoom meeting with them before if they're from out of town and have to fly in. And we, you know, we ask, like, do you have a therapist? Do you, you know, and, you know, we kind of help them, like, do you want to make sure you have a session when you get home? And um, what are the things, you know, what are the things you're going to do after, you know, maybe go for a walk in the woods or, um, you know, just whatever it is that would help that individual slow down, keep the experience close so that the experience can really get in and settle in into their system. We often check in with people maybe a week later. We're always available to people to call us like if something's coming up or they need to come back out and have a conversation with us. If they need to have, you know, a session with me as, you know, an individual session, I incorporate movement and trauma work into my individual work and you know, I think that that's one of the things that the world of therapy could take some notes on is people going out and having these really big experiences and having therapists that can help integrate it and help them really do what they need to do. Maybe it's um, authentic movement or, you know, mandala drawing or journaling and really helping people be actively involved in their integration experience. So it's really important that the world of psychology start to, you know, understand that people are, um, are seeking th these experiences. Yeah. And um, just to add on to that a little bit, it's a full system process. I mean, one thing you could do if you're having trouble understanding how to tend to yourself, like buy a plant during your integration and learn about how to care for the plant, you know, um, tend to your surroundings, tend to your home, you know, all of those things re reflect the tending that's happening to the self and the spirit, you know, so you just, you really just want to tend to the system as a whole during integration. Thank you so much, Firestar and Brightheart for coming on and sharing what you do with our FemSouth community and for bringing more awareness to this practice. And thank you, Zach, for coming on and helping me facilitate this conversation as well. Uh, it's, it's something near to my heart, and, um, and so are these guys. Thank you so much, Lee. This has been just warm in my heart and inspiring that you're willing to have this conversation. So thank you. Yes, thank you very, very much for this opportunity to share a little bit about the, the spirit of the mushroom and the spirit of this work and uh, the connection that's on the horizon uh, for our humanity. So thank you. The Fem South is a podcast and book club community produced in the Deep South. 
We are dedicated to educating, supporting, and empowering women through feminist theory and community. We are intersectional, we are inclusive, and we believe there is no one way to be a feminist. Feminism is an ongoing journey of self-discovery and activism. Our book club is an ongoing exchange between theory and embodiment, and we are simply here to hold space for this collective journey. If you want to get involved with FemSouth, you can go to our website at FemSouth.com and sign up for our newsletter. If you would like to be a part of our book club, you can ask to join our private Facebook book club group where we read and discuss books online. You can also follow us on Instagram and listen to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. We'd really appreciate it if you would give us some feedback and a rating so that we can know what you, dear listeners, are thinking. If you feel motivated to support us, you can head over to our Patreon account, Patreon slash FemSouth, where you can select your monetary gift. So until next time, you've been listening to FemSouth. South. <music>